0: Welcome back into Sideline Stories Podcast. This is Episode 8 with Ryan Oliver and myself, Connor Fenland. Thank you to all who have listened to our first seven episodes. We have surpassed over 1,000 views and listens, and we both really appreciate it. Tonight, we are joined by Sienna, Graduate of 2017, a CBI champion, an Israeli League Cup winner, a new father, and currently playing in Lithuania, Marquise Wright, sorry I had to do the Scott Noel voice. Hey, <laughs> a little shout out. Yeah, that that definitely, used to be the thing. Yeah, definitely appreciate your time. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Marquise. Thank you. First, uh, first right out of the bat, you know, obviously you talked a little bit before we started recording, but have you, What's the biggest difference you've seen from last year playing overseas and this year playing overseas due to COVID?
1: Uh, it's a big difference. Um, just even getting over here. It was was it was actually easier getting here, I feel like. But once I got here, it was really tough for the first two weeks, maybe, because we had to quarantine and the place that I had to quarantine in was not good at all. It's really like I was living outside, but don't want to really talk about that. Um last year it was it was more it was a lot more smoother um but this 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 year is it's good now that's all <laughs> that's what i can say it's it's much better now and there's no more problems it was hard to really eat um i couldn't go anywhere for the first 2 weeks so and my test was negative so it's like <laughs> I still have to quarantine after my test being negative is like, why? But moved on from quarantine. Now I can go out. It's good food here. The a nice area. Um, Lithuania is where I'm at. So see how it goes the rest of the season.
2: <laughs> yes, sir. Keith, appreciate you coming on, man. Um, and you hit it right in the head, man. It's crazy times we're in. Um, I know you were you had gone home in America. Talk about your COVID experience. I feel like you might have had the busiest COVID experience. You became a father, became a homeowner, you signed a contract. Like it didn't stop you at all. Talk about that experience.
1: Coming home was actually coming home was tough because I didn't even think I was gonna make it out of France. Mm, but I I think I just made it. And once I got home, it was just like COVID didn't it didn't really hit me once I got home. Like it was it didn't feel real, like, man, I'ma go out, I'ma do this, I'ma do that. But it got, it was more serious in the States than it was overseas. So once I got home, it was stay in the house, go grocery shopping, get everything we can to stay in the house. But then again, it was so hard to actually stay in the house because of the pregnancy and everything going on with the my child. So it's like we had to go out and get different things, I feel like. So it was, it was tough because then we didn't want to bring our daughter into this crazy world with all of this going on. But it's like, we have to, and we, we have to make it work. So we sat down and because I was in my mom's house, we was in my mom's house and we was thinking like, I'm not gonna, like, we're not gonna have any room for our child mm-hmm. in one room basically, yeah. because it's my mom and my grandparents in the house. So we was planning on buying a house next summer, 2021, and so we sat down and we just thought about it, like maybe we should try to buy because the the market is uh, lowering. And we said, let's give it a try. So we hit up our realtor and got the process going. And it was a it was a tough process because we were trying to. I think we only had like two months because we wanted to move in before our daughter came. So the process was, it was a long process, but short because I I didn't talk to a lot of people who say that their house experience, like their process of buying a house takes six months plus. So we actually got lucky and, the day that well, we signed. Um, yeah, we signed the contract to be becoming homeowners June nineteenth, and I want to say a week. We we gave it about a week to like paint, get a little <laughs> bit of furniture and everything. And on the twenty seventh, I like the first night we was actually got to sleep in our house. Well, like on our couch we didn't even have a bed yet <laughs> the first night it's we didn't it wasn't we didn't even get a full night it was like two hours we went to sleep around like 11 and around like one Cheyenne's water broke so we was on t- off to the hospital so it was it was a crazy experience but it was it was definitely like it was a blessing in disguise um COVID actually
0: uh, not a lot of people can have those kind of stories. Right, bringing in obviously a child with all the COVID and buying a house. But you know, if, uh, I have a, the question I have is: you have you know, with being a new father, has there been any major adjustments by being a new father and playing overseas?
1: Um, no, it's actually better, and it keeps me more active rather than just being in the house in the apartment and not really getting out going places. Um, With my family being here, it's easier I wanna say because I want them to have the best experience. So getting out and about is the best thing for all of us. Um, But by myself, I know in Hungary, I was by myself and I didn't really like get out and do anything. So it was more like a miserable time and because of the place um, where I was living at, the city I was living, it was like a village. So, but now it's still like a small town, but getting out, like I said, and exploring different things, different food, different malls, um, it's actually nice out here and it helps me rather than just being stuck in the in the apartment but adjusting the fatherhood I feel like once you like if you have that other that significant other that you you guys bonding is great it's easier to to raise a child I feel like rather than being a single parent trying to raise the child
2: no nah, absolutely that that's definitely true um I want to turn turn the page a little bit been been wanting to ask you about this for quite some time, so I forget when it was, but I'm on Twitter scrolling, and I see Marquise Wright tweeting at Josh Hart, and they're kind of going back and forth I <laughs> twitter <laughs> and a little Twitter exchange and then I saw some other tweets that supported what you were saying to him that you won you have more points, you bought. And yet he was still talking about something. I don't know. Talk us through that moment. What happened in the game and what happened on Twitter?
1: So, on Twitter, I I don't even get on Twitter like that anymore. Uh So, one of my close friends actually hit me hit me up and said, "Did you see what he said on Twitter?" And I don't I don't like getting into that stuff. Yeah. But it's like, let me take a look. And it was I mean what they were saying. I don't, I really don't think, I mean, on certain teams, it might be true. But for my team in high school, was a, my team was a public school. His team was private. And we beat him. And it's like, we beat him by, I think, 15 plus points. I had 34. <laughs> and probably like seven and eight, like assists and rebounds, something like that. But it's like. You you got to – I'm I'm talking facts rather than <laughs> sure. him yeah. saying what could have been done. And then for him to – or for when I say something to him and he, and he uh, tweets back and say, you played – Josh knows me. Like, he knows me. Like, I done played on – we played – we done played against each other since we were, I'm going to say, like, 11 and up. And then I played with him when I was, like, I do my last my last season at AAU. Okay. So it's like, like, you know me, like, yes. and for you, I think it's just the NBA hype that mm-hmm. for someone like me to come, come at him and speak facts is just something he didn't like. So I feel like he had to bring that NBA clout out. so that's really that uh, but everyone knows the the facts about that game and about the way i could play and uh, i don't i don't even get into that
0: (laughs) no that's that's smart handle it inside the inside the lines that's that's the win you can handle it always but uh you know being overseas a lot of people you know most most teams can only have a certain amount of americans you know sometimes two sometimes three is that any added pressure knowing that you know at any time any you know you could you could be you let go
1: sometimes it is um because i'm actually the only american now so it's a lot of pressure because they want the most out of you but at the same time i've been like under a lot of pressure throughout my career Mm -hmm. high school college and now and it doesn't really affect me it's just because I know what I have to do but at the end of the day you can still be doing what you supposed to do and Mm -hmm. still be gone for no reason really um and that's the the part that sucks about it but it's nothing you can control. So, and I was always taught to control what you could control.
2: Yeah, that's the truth. That, that's the motto that everyone should, should adapt. Um, and, and let's talk about kind of piggyback on that. You love the big moment at Siena, you know, a couple times where you hit game-winning shots. Your first game there overseas, they go to you down the stretch. You were able to get a game-winning basket. Talk about how you love being in that moment and the ball in your hands.
1: I feel like that's the the best moment for me um, because it's it's that's where that you get that pressure off your back. Um, if you can hit big shots or just down the stretch of the game make big plays, I feel like that's just a, a, another chip off your shoulder. Um, but it's it's fun to me actually, just knowing that my team um, relies on me to or at least give me a chance to even take those shots or make big plays. Um, and it's been for years now that coaches would say, we want the ball in your hands at the end of the game and really just trusting me to make a play. So it's really it's, – it's just a great feeling just being that player and knowing that I can do it.
0: Yeah, they're they're still talking about the St. Bonaventure's uh, game winner still these days. <laughs> Throwing it up. Some and people said you weren't even looking at the basket.
1: <laughs> so the so the thing about that shot is I actually was looking at the basket, <laughs> and I wa- I I watched that shot go in, but I did try to draw contact, and he moved back, so it kind of uh, <laughs> threw me off. It kind of threw me off balance, so. <laughs> When I went to go take the shot, it looked a little awkward, but I, <laughs> once I released it, I watched the ball go in, and we won that game. <laughs> <laughs> and that was our first game, right? That was the first. I think
0: – yeah, I think – It was like, like – uh, yeah, like You had a third, scrimmage or something.
1: But yeah. Because
2: you it's all – You score, all, bad all, bad all first game, first. yeah.
1: So maybe like the second or third game, I think. But, yeah – that, I watched that go away. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, that's one way to make a name for yourself as a freshman coming in the Times Union Center against, you know, obviously a big rival in St. Bonaventure. But that, as, as uh, Ryan said, you, you're always known for the clutch performances. But what's, uh, what would you say – be- what is your favorite part about the professional game, you know, versus college or high school?
1: Uh, My favorite part, like, just throughout the – like, in the game,
0: yeah, like or, you know, like, like you know, you, you know, you're, there's more obviously shot clocks, different, you know, more contact, more freedom of movement, oh, less, yeah. you know, you can play more uh, one-on-one
1: I, kind of thing. Right. Um, I say, I do like the 24-second shot clock because it's more so of a fast-paced game, which I like to play rather than running a long play because you don't even have that much time once you get the ball across the court. It might be 18 seconds, sometimes 16, depending on how the team, if they press, if they um, play back. So most of the time when you come across half court, it's 16, 14 seconds. So now it's a quick play that most coaches will have me run like a horn side or like a fist up, which is just a screen. So it's like it's it's my game. Um, rather than having what thirty five yep. in college, <laughs> yeah, and thirty five is long. And then certain coaches they want you to run that thirty five seconds of of your plays, and it's just that's just not my style. Um, <laughs> I like to go go up and down, and a lot of leagues out here, and a lot of I want to say all of the leagues that I've played in so far is up and down. So it's just it's it's easy not I don't, I don't want to say easier but it's it's better for me and I like it more but it does take a lot of time to adjust to the way coaches want you to play over here. That's the only part I don't really like because they want you to play like in European guard when that's not me. So <laughs> It's not like controlling me on the court, but it's just making me think different. And I had to get used to that. But now it's I'm kind of used to it, like coming over here. Once I get a feel of the coach for like the first couple of weeks, it's kind of easy to work with.
2: Nah, I, it, For, for Mario, it looks like you've adjusted well. Um, I mean, I think at every level you, you've won. In high school, you won a state championship, regional championship. In college, we got a CBI, put a banner up, and then obviously um overseas and your time in Israel, you got a championship. Uh and what people probably most don't know about you is like how personal you would take when we did lose at Siena. Like you was like, I don't even care about my stats, I just wanna win. Talk about your will to win and how that's kind of been instilled to you since you were a squaw uh youngin'.
1: Yeah, um it's it's always been like that since I was young, no matter if it was Basketball on the court, football off the court, um, playing the PlayStation. Any anything, I hated losing it. It could be, um, what do you call it? Um, tic tac toe. Like any any little game, (laughs) anything competitive, I never wanted to lose. And if I did, I would be mad. So, just growing up and having that mentality is it carried on to high school college and now and like you said when we was in college and we lost it's like man it it, it hurt like bad and we was actually like what our sophomore year? my sophomore year we lost a lot because we had so many different yeah. problems throughout not off the court on the court and it it just didn't get us to where we wanted to and we could have been a great team And that year kind of – I don't want to say, like, losing just – it just became a habit, but it's like that's all we was doing, and it kind of took away the me getting mad after a loss, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But at the same time, I still had it in me like I hate losing, but it just – that's all that was happening so it's like wow like can we can we get a win like and you, well you know how that goes but like but no I I definitely hate losing at anything but and like these last two games like I said we we had like we had them beat and we we beat ourselves so that really hurt but Move on to the next one and take it game by game. After this, so you
0: know, you gotta like that attitude. You know, a lot of people that sometimes guys just, all right, we lost. You know, who cares? I got, I got thirty. You know, that's that's what's the most important. But yeah. to have that mindset is it's, it puts you in another position. Uh, kind of moving roles. What what was it about Sienna that that made you feel like that's where you wanted to go compared to the other places you were looking at?
1: So, I really didn't have that many places I was looking at because I committed to Loyola um, early. So, I already knew Pat Sos, I already knew Greg Manning and Coach Luke from Loyola. Luke. So, what would you say? Uncle Luke. <laughs> Luke yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I knew them from Loyola. And when they – well – I only, I didn't know all of them went. I knew Passos was leaving and uh-huh. going to Vienna. So when I heard that, I was kind of stuck because I did, like I said, I didn't have any offers for real because I signed so early. But I could have visited, I could have took a visit to Maryland, which mm-hmm. was one of my dream schools to go to, but I didn't have my releasing time. But I also... I think that situation was kind of <laughs> fluke so I just didn't even get into that my father didn't want me to get into that so once I heard uh, Pesos going to Siena my god brother was already I think he was already s- committed there oh,
2: yeah I I, that's right
1: yeah so I was like alright we've been playing together <laughs> my whole life why not move on to college and play together and continue the journey but I don't know what happened with that. Like, once I came to visit the school, I'm like, I like the campus. He already here. So, like, why not? I knew the coaches. I knew I, I would be able to play a lot. And I guess when I came, he wanted to play point guard. And his father didn't want us to like, I guess, um, battle for a spot, which they met with Pat Sos. Pat Sos told him, we'll switch off. But I was going to be most likely, well, mainly the one. And so I guess he decommitted and went, um, I think, U- UCF, UCF, um, somewhere in Florida. But I stayed and it was a nice four years for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, talk about your relationship where since day one, like I still remember on your visit you came to play pickup with us. And I was like, oh, he about to be our point guard? I was like, I'm about to get my hands ready. Like, he passed the (laughs) ball. like It's it's all love. But just talk about first day on campus, balls in your hands, point guard. Talk about that trust factor that they put in you and to run the offense because most freshmen don't get that opportunity.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a blessing to be able to come in and start um as a freshman and play what thirty minutes plus thirty um, six yeah, <laughs> so it was like I said, definitely a blessing, and knowing that I had a like good great teammates around me that had my back, even if things weren't going going good, as you would know um but it was really my team that kept me really. Like my head on straight and staying focused throughout my four years. Um, Cause you was with me what two years? Three, three, three. So everybody that was with us for the them three years, and then for my last year when you were gone, um, it was the team that really kept me into it and. They, like, everyone trusted me, so that made it even easier. Even if the coach didn't, like, he didn't um, trust me at times, I knew my team had my back, so that was the most important part because we're the five on the floor, or the five players on the floor. That's supposed to really get the job done, so that helped a lot. And just for Pasos even giving me that chance to do that, it was just a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, you know, talking about being you know, being thrown in there right now, right away, getting the ball. Uh talk about guys like Levon and Javion who also were thrown right in there. You know, all three of you were thrown in right away from day one.
1: What what was that like? That was that was nice. Um it was what it was, four or five freshmen that came in, but us three we played a lot and that's I think we were kind of the only team that really had three freshmen that started and played a lot throughout all four years and for us to be together all four years that helped a lot it built like we built our chemistry really in the first year but just going throughout the years really the connection between us was was great and that's something you rarely see um three freshmen starting and playing a lot and getting a job done.
2: Nah, that's true. And obviously it, it all led that first year to to our CBI championship. Um right. I hung a banner forever. But uh just talk about that experience and just what you think playing in the postseason and winning that uh championship did for the rest of your career at Siena.
1: And see Losing, losing to to not make it into the NCAA or the NIT, for sure. For sure. That was that was even more like, man, I don't want to play in nothing else. But we gave it a try, CBI. We end up winning. Um, so the rest of our career, it was like, we don't want that anymore. Yeah. We want to take the next step up, but unfortunately unfortunately it didn't happen but i mean it is what it is um we still had a great 3 years after that and i felt like we should have won the mac mm, let me see i want to say 2 years so my junior and senior year we should have won um sophomore year like i said my sophomore year like i said that was one of the craziest years I ever like played like for a team. That was, we still it was had just a That's the
2: crazy part. We still had was, a chance.
1: It, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So two possessions versus Iona.
2: I won't forget that, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you said which one? Two possessions versus Iona. It was Iona almost every time. Every time it was, every time. It was every time. Iona every time. And I don't know why we couldn't get them, but every time but uh it was I mean college I, I missed those days actually.
0: You know, t- obviously talk about your experiences <laughs> playing in the postseason. Talk a little bit about the experiences going on the road to places like Wisconsin, Duke, and Kansas. Obviously you played great in the game at Kansas what we all remember, but talk about a little bit about those experiences.
1: The Duke in Wisconsin, that was a mini a mini documentary um that was actually set up and till this day you can still watch. I think it's on YouTube. I yeah. think. You know, like, like YouTube. Yeah, but that I mean that was a great experience. Really fun to actually get to be on a on a private jet and like it it was just different for me. Um that was my first time on a private jet and seeing how that life is, stepping into a big arena the next, what, the next day, um, playing against Duke and Cameron Indoor. That's, like, it looks bigger on TV, but when you get in the gym, it's small, but it's packed. I know that game was sold out. And when Grayson Island dunked the ball, like – the game stopped it was no it was no timeout. no nothing and all like the floor was just shaking and I that was that was probably one of the the biggest well I want to say loudest um gyms I played in and then uh, even though um the results did not turn out how we wanted to but I still had a good game and barely played because of foul trouble um who knows what could have happened if I wasn't in foul trouble because I was actually – I think I was four for five from three that game. And, I mean, not being in the game because of fouls, it's like I could have did more. But going on to Wisconsin, that game was kind of – it was kind of a slow, slow game for us as a team. But just getting that experience to play there was definitely great. And Kansas, that was another gem that was crazy packed and loud, and just playing against players that I've been playing against. Well, that I played against um, growing up AAU. Um, playing against them, against them at that level was it was different. Um, just knowing, like, all right, now we older, so. <laughs> I'm going to really show y'all now because I will always play up in AAU. So they was always older than me. Um, But that was a great experience too. Um, Got a lot of respect after that game from their fans. And um, it was just a – it was a great experience overall playing teams like that throughout my college career.
2: Yeah. No, those are the stories and the games that even though it didn't go our way, playing in those environments – you know, national All televised right. games. Shoot, even uh down in Orlando when we played Memphis. Yeah. It was, Memphis, it was yeah. number eleven. Like those are those are games we won't ever forget. Um talk about how playing with three other thousand point scores was, including yourself. So I think you're it was only you it was only Sienna and North Carolina, I think. It was like the only two teams in the country with four thousand point scores. Yeah. Like talk about how like you had dudes, you know, like, or if you had dudes who could score the ball. You, you yourself can score the ball, and just talk about with so many weapons. And even like we never we didn't mention Nico, but he was right there at the time much as well. Like, how yeah. about that having those weapons on your
1: team? It it helped me a lot because I love to pass the ball. So if I can pass the ball and know you're gonna finish, <laughs> it, that hands down, that's uh, that's all I need. Um, but that's that's another accomplishment from us as a team that a lot of teams never had, like you said, us and I think North Carolina. But that I mean is, and then Brett coming back yeah. for his fifth year helped a lot too. And I mean those 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 experiences was definitely times to remember. Um, and I think it, it set a high standard at Sienna. I feel like. 4,000-point yep. scores, I don't think that might ever happen again, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> to be honest. Um, I mean, it can, but that's really hard for four players to actually get it, and then one coming close in, what, two years. Yeah, I think Nico is too years. <laughs> here. <just> like, so, <laughs> you know, like, like, that's crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that's just a blessing to even have three other people on your team that, do, that can do that. And great other players on your team who maybe didn't even play but was great support mm-hmm. um, on your team. And you always need that. So... Sienna was definitely times to remember.
0: Yeah. What What would you say your favorite part about playing at Sienna was?
1: Uh I want to say home games. Um, home games was lit. <laughs> like I want to say every every home game was lit, and we were we were I mean we were winning at home. Um. Our goal was not to lose at home, of course, and not to lose at all. But our home games, I think we, we really protected our home court. So home games was definitely the, the best part of Siena for me.
2: So, Keese, um, Siena fans can definitely remember when watching US Siena that you will always come out in special socks. So talk about your sock collection now. I think it was voted second to Ron I, Oliver, like something crazy like that. I don't know. Second <laughs> talk, talk about your, your fascination with socks and uh and you wearing them dirt games.
1: Um so I can't even do that now. I gotta keep it simple, white or black. <laughs> so I had to go out and buy me some some new socks, but I don't know. It was I I never really liked plain socks, mm-hmm. so getting, like, and then the stance socks that came out, that was kind of new, like. Yeah. And when, once I seen them, and I remember that one time, <laughs> we went in the store, <laughs> and I only got, mind you, the socks was what, 70 cent, 80 cent? Yep. <laughs> uh, and I only got two because you, and who else? Emo. You and Emo. <laughs> Got, they took all the socks how you take y'all didn't leave y'all know I love socks they didn't leave they left me two of the two pair they already had so I didn't even have no different I didn't even get the chance to get no different pair of socks but I don't know I just like the the different styles the different colors and really standing out on the court rather than having the same shoes or the same uh white or black socks um I don't know, that was just a different style that I had um, playing in college because high school I didn't – I don't think I could wear um, crazy socks. But I don't know, college came and they was letting me wear them except one game at U Albany, they told me I had to <laughs> have all white socks, so I had to turn my socks inside out. Um, but I don't know, I, I'm crazy about the the – different types of socks, but now I'm back to plain black and white.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I knew, I knew, I knew what, when you were playing there, I knew every time I'd watch you, whatever, whatever shoe you had on was the newest Under Armour. So I was like, okay, those must be the the new ones coming out this week or something. Cause how how many shoes do you think you would say you got at Sienna?
1: uh, A lot. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. A lot. I can't even count, but there was only a couple of times where I would get different pair and, stand out uh <laughs> shoes because I would have to like I would have to do it on the on the sneak. I would have to go in the office and tell them like, yeah, let me get a different pair because I need you those need pairs to go of with the socks. <laughs> like you I need
2: a couple times
1: a month. <laughs> <laughs> and and look, I will after I get the shoe or know what shoe I'm getting out that's when I'll go out and try to find me some socks to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so Keith, talk about how during college you got the chance to play um, overseas twice during your four-year career. Obviously, as a group, we went down to Montreal. Um, and right. Off. That was before your first your freshman year, or
1: that was before my freshman yeah, year. Your
2: freshman year, and then you went on the tour with uh with Coach Manny. My, you guys go again?
1: My ju my junior year, I went to Croatia.
2: Talk about those experiences, and has that helped you? Did that help you? further at Siena or has it helped you further along overseas? Like, talk
1: about those. I feel like that helped me um, in both aspects of playing in college and overseas because Montreal, that was – I think I got a taste of, like, overseas play, but it was with our team. um, Like, our full team that was going into Siena. And that helped us build chemistry early, playing against different styles of play um rather than just regular college basketball it was It was different, and it helped us a lot, and it helped me a lot to adjust to how they play over there and then going to Croatia, it was only me and Kenny Wormley, so it was only two of us from Siena, and then we played with other like, college um, players, like, two from, I guess, like, different schools. So, it was – it wasn't a team. Like, it wasn't Siena as a team. It was just two of us. So, that helped me more of, like, overseas because that was, like, playing in Croatia, they had, like – I know one team we played. They was, like, the Spurs, and they blew us out. And it's, like, this is different basketball out here. But, you know, I had people on my team from other schools that – only shot the ball, didn't pass. So, I mean, it's regular, I want to say, like, American-style basketball that we were trying to play or that some people were trying to play and get theirs to prove what they could do. And and it just didn't work against teams like that because it's more controlled over here, passing the ball, working the shot clock, making the defense move. So it was different. and. Well, we experienced that fast, but that was the first game. But we went three and one, actually. So it was it was a great experience, um, like I said, for me going into college and um, getting ready for overseas.
0: I know we touched on a little bit earlier about, you know, the, the faster game overseas, 24-second shot clock. Is there any part of your game you had to change, you know, playing overseas?
1: The only thing I would say is – but they changed the rule back. Um, My first year, it's like, if you catch the ball and rip and dribble, it was a travel. It was a travel. So you had to put the ball down first and then take your step. Like, that was the only thing I really had to adjust. Because when I catch it, I'm so quick to catch it and go. And they, like, my coach was telling me, like, we can't do, like, you can't do that over here. And I'm just like, so how am I supposed to, like, what am I supposed to do? like how am I supposed to get past my, my player? So I had to adjust to putting the ball down and then making the move or putting the ball down and then taking a step. That was the only um real difference in coming from, like, home and then playing overseas. But they changed the rule my, the next year after that. Like, they changed it back to where you could do it. So it really wasn't nothing that i had to adjust to besides that
2: yo i struggled with that too my first year over there I was, that, it was too like, hard i got minutes.
1: so many so many um travel travel <laughs> calls my
2: first year it didn't make any sense at all i was like this is terrible but you have to adjust right anyway, right speaking of adjusting let's talk about um you as a three-point shooter it's so like your first year um you know you're a decent shooter, but as time went on, you became one of the better shooters on the team, if not your last year, the best shooter. Talk about your attention to detail and your work ethic that went into perfecting that shot, even off the bounce, because it just opened up your game so much more.
1: Um, extra work. I know I was going in the gym in the morning before practice. After practice, I would shoot, and then later on that night, I would, I would um, put up shots. And it was just like, i never like, well, growing up, I was never really like a shooter. Um, so I, that's what I had to work on because everyone knew I could drive and get to the basket and finish. So a lot of people were saying, if I get a shot, like a dead, a deadly shot, then it'd be really hard to guard me. Um, so that's what I put more, focus on um as I worked out um every time was shooting, shooting off the dribble, catch and shoot, but mainly threes because I my mid-range was was good um growing up. It was just really shooting deep, deeper shots. And I mean, now like I said, I was going in the gym three times a day at Sienna because we could actually get in the gym whenever. But now it's like I could shoot before practice and after practice and any other time you can't really get because there's other teams in the gym. Um, it's just different activities, I guess, going on in the gym. So now it's like in practice, of course, put up a lot of shots. Even if we're scrimmaging, it's like take the shots that I'm going to take in the game and practice to help me just – Prepare for games, but definitely got better over the years. Um, but just work ethic um, every day, the same routine, just getting reps up.
0: Is the is the three point line in the college line, or a little bit further over there?
1: Maybe like two yeah. inches. Not that it's not that big of a difference, but so it
0: wasn't a big adjustment. As big of adjustment for you.
1: Yeah, and then when I work out, though, I try to shoot deeper than I would, like, in a game, just so in a game, if I'm right on the line, it'll be easier than me shooting in a workout from four, four steps behind the line, um, but I think that also helps me because it gives, like, shooting the ball deeper, you have to actually, like, shoot the ball the same every time because it's not going to work um you got to use your legs a lot more if it's deep so and i i was always told that i don't jump on my three pointers which i don't but it's like i don't that's just not the way i shoot i can't jump high just to shoot a three like that's not me but i do have to jump and that helps a lot but um I wanna say working out, shooting deeper threes it it helps me in the game when I'm right on the line, like I said.
0: Speaking of speaking of workouts, um, you know, being from Maryland, what did it what did it mean to be able to work out for the Washington Wizards uh coming out of college?
1: That was like I call that a blessing. Um just being able to get a workout from where I'm from, um it means a lot. Um, it was a great accomplishment. I wouldn't set anything past it. Um, I got all great feedback. And then the last thing they told me was that I was undersized, which I don't pay any attention to that neither yeah. because it's a lot of people that's undersized in the league that is smaller than me. So I really don't know what that was. But all great feedback, that's what I like to hear. and move on from there and hopefully get another one soon.
2: Nah, I definitely respect that. And, you know, hopefully we can see you in the summer league and obviously on to to the big league from that. Um,
1: You know, right after that, that
2: would be definitely pretty cool to say.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hey, the years, the, the work put in over the years is, it'll be worth it.
2: Nah, Absolutely. Um, talk about the process of like selecting an agent. Um, how did that kind of all work out for you, and uh, what's been that relationship like since?
1: Um, that was actually that was that was a tough process, also, just because. I mean, now knowing how mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it works, it's <laughs> like back then I didn't, and it's like I'm talking like it's three or four agents like coming at me well not coming at me but reaching out to me like they want me to of course sign with them and they could get me here they could get me there but it's like how do I really know how do I how can I really trust you I don't know you it's just you want me to to help you like are you going to help me um but the one agent that I did go with my parents met him too so we all kind of thought everything was comfortable and was going to work out but it I mean I don't know I think it was just the way that he talked to like to people he just didn't know how to talk to people so it didn't really sit right with me throughout the years but I was with him my first agent I signed with I was with him for two years, so he got me to Hungary and the, um to Israel. Mm-hmm. But it's like when I would ask for certain things to be done, mm-hmm. it's like he, he doesn't have my side. It's like he was always with the team. But I know you have to keep your connections with the team for other players and everything like that. But at the same time, the agent works for you. Yep. So – if i'm telling you something that i want i expect you to try to go your try try your hardest to go out and do that but in that case with him it wasn't it wasn't like that so i just kindly parted ways with him and i found that well i i was on the verge of not even coming back overseas so every agent that was trying to talk to me, even when I was with him, it's like, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need any help. Like, thanks. I'll keep in contact if I do decide like that I want to continue to um, hoop. But I actually met an agent that I'm with now in Israel, like after one of my games and he was telling me like, yeah, um, like I'm with, um, who was he with? And I always, because it's Steph Curry agent, um, agency, I mean, Octagon. Okay. So he yeah. he was with them, and he was like, yeah, excuse me, we see a lot of potential in you. We think you could play high level, um, Europe, this, this, and that. And it's like, yeah, but I don't even know if I really want to do this right now. And this was when I was going through um, the Israel situation, and it, we just lost, I think. And he's like, yeah, like, your agent don't really know what he's doing. Like, he's more so uh, about the States. He don't really know about Europe, this and that. But it's like, are you saying this because you know, or are you saying it just because you want me? So, like, I still didn't know. So, I came home, and I really just put basketball aside. And – I didn't, I told every agent, like, I'm not interested in going overseas. So a lot of agents, they just stopped contacting me. And I was happy. I was cool with that. So then the agent I'm with now, he came out the blue and he said, I have two offers for you. (laughs) And at this time I'm thinking like, I was already thinking like, yeah, I'm thinking about going back over and I know I want to do it I just want to be in a good situation and when he said that it's just like at the time I'm like I gotta take one of these and so when he came through with that it's like I'm gonna go with you like because I told you I didn't want to and you were still looking for something for me and that kind of um put my trust in him and was like all right I'll go with him because he was still thinking about me. He found me two offers. Nobody else said anything when I reached out into them and saying like yeah, I'm thinking about going back over. Nobody came through with nothing and I didn't even talk <laughs> to him. So it was just a it was just like a, a like I said a blessing. Um being with someone that I can trust who if I tell them I want this or I'm going to go here I want to go there it's like he'll try his best um, to do it and not say well I don't think it'll work or yeah. it'll just he'll try and mm-hmm. that's all I like but it's still tough um, just knowing the business side of all of this
0: yeah <laughs> Uh I got one more Matt one more Mac question for you so obviously you always as we talked about over and over you always rise to the occasion you always play what were what were those games like when you were playing against Monmouth and Justin Robinson?
1: Those were some of the the, the most fun games to me um, because I knew that we were going to go at it each each time we played. And I want to say my senior year, the first game, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but we was really going back and forth, like. I hit a three, he hit a three. I hit a three, he missed. I come back down, hit a three. And that was the whole first half. And we was winning, I want to say, by three at halftime. Came out second half and was still up. But we was going up and down. And next thing you know, of course, I got slowed down. Started running different plays. And I I had 20. I I would never forget this ever. And I don't even check my points or, and see like during the game, I don't check my points or anything. But I happened to look up at the scoreboard at one timeout and it was 15 minutes left in the second half. And I had 28. And I promise you, I said, I'm going for 50. (laughs) (laughs) And after that, it was at least six possessions where i didn't shoot the ball and after that, it's just like i don't I, I don't know what else i can do to just let me keep going like how i was going in the beginning and i only finished with 36 <laughs> so i that that i mean it's just, it was always fun playing together. and he he finished with 40 mm. but you could see in the game that it was different, like the different teams is my team, all right, he scored, now it's my turn to score. And their team is get Justin the ball and let him keep scoring. So it's like it's nothing I could control. So mm-hmm. it it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I if they would have let me keep going, I know for a fact I would have had 50 <laughs> the way I was playing. I I was I was feeling it. I think I had like six threes too that game. But any any time playing against him and I respect him a lot. Um those were great, great times.
2: What what was your career high? Was it um against Fordham? That was your sophomore? Yeah, that was your sophomore. Year. That was my sophomore.
1: but that was I think I had thirty six two.
2: Okay.
1: Oh no! That was only. It was thirty-one. I was thirty-one. Thirty-one. Okay. Yeah. So it 30 like thirty-six.
2: A lot, is my... a lot. It seemed like a lot.
1: Thirty-one. <laughs> <31?
2: laughs> no, like just throughout the course of the game.
1: Oh yeah, that like, that game was.
2: Yeah, the basket was just and, open. And, was and we and we should
1: have we should have won that game too.
2: Beat them, bro. That.
1: That was crazy. That ending and everything. That was crazy. Yeah, I definitely. Won. But I think I think thirty-six <laughs> was my career high.
2: Okay. Talk talk about um how your rookie year you got a chance to play against um you know one of your good friends uh, and, and former team- teammates Javion in Hungary. Talk about that relationship and talk about what it was like to play versus him this time on the pro side.
1: Right, I mean the first see the first game I didn't play, I was hurt. Okay. So I actually got to watch him, and I was of course not rooting for him, but it's like <laughs> I I could actually if he score I'm like All right, Jay, like I can do that because I'm on the bench but um the second game we played it was he 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 really didn't play that much um but it was still cool to play against former college teammate overseas like being in the same league and playing against each other that's kind of cool so it was it was nice and then after we took a picture together um the second game when I played, uh, I don't know what happened. The first game, I don't even think I seen him after the game the first the first time. But it was it, it was nice. And then he he came when I went to the when I um got selected for the All Star team, he came to the All Star game okay. and we got filled in too. So that was it was nice. Um, just being across the world with someone that you was real close with. Yep. four years in college and now you overseas chilling um together it was nice
2: so Keith, i'm always curious to know you know you've been to a couple of different spots what is your process of getting a barber and finding a barber out there you know like it's it's <laughs> it's nothing like at home or it's nothing like albany where we, we it, to connect but what's the process like over there getting the cut
1: so uh, I'm gonna start at hungry. Hungry. <laughs> I I didn't get a cut for ten months.
2: Ten months.
1: Uh, I, ten months. I actually cut my own. Was you know my hair was like this.
2: Yeah.
1: So I had clippers and I I did. I actually did this one time, and it was cool. But I didn't. I couldn't <laughs> do the back. Like I had to have somebody do the back, and so that was a one time thing. And then I messed. <laughs> Like I pushed my headline back. I'm oh. like, nah, I'm not touching it no more. So 10 months, basically I went without a cut. Israel, I got to Israel and you know, it's older players and uh, more experienced players that have been there maybe two years before me. And uh, I had a player on my team that was in Israel for two years. That was his third year. So I would ask them like are there any barbers that can cut our hair like yeah. <laughs> And so Israel I found someone but I didn't really like I didn't really like him
2: Okay
1: um He didn't mess me up but like I don't know I just didn't like the cut there Yeah France was cool I okay. found somebody even though I had to drive 40 minutes away but sort of. It was like <laughs> It was close. It was close enough to a cut at home. Like okay. he did a good job. Like you could see my line. <laughs> he shaped the beard up. Like it was a good fade and everything. And then, but then again, it was one time in France. I didn't go to my main barber that was in France. And they messed me up oh, crazy, <laughs> Like, like, you know how you got the line right here? Yep. He cut. He cut it off. I was oh. like, was, I didn't have no line. It was just bald, like. And look, that's the first thing he did. So it's not like I could tell him like stop, like I don't like it. Like it was gone. Like it was gone. I was, I was in a chair like this the whole time, like. And he knew something was wrong. He asked the other dude and. It's like it, it was no way he could fix it. So I was like my my shape up went like like down and then like that. Like straight across and it was just skin. <laughs> so I was like nah, I had to let that grow back for like a month just so it could like it went, it was bald, so I couldn't even like I'm like I can't, I can't get a get a cut. <laughs> month. So once it grew back, I went to my main barber and he fixed me up, so that was good. But it's it's nothing like going home, getting cuts, getting cuts, getting cuts and then you got to come out here and find somebody else. But I found, well, I actually went to two different people um out here, okay. but the same barber shop. Okay. And the first dude, he was cool, but the second dude, he kind of got me. It was it was cool. I mean, I Got this probably like last week, but I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's an adjustment. Really sounds like it's,
2: sounds like it's an adjustment.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to cause you can't really call them your barber out here. It's just like, man, I gotta get a cut to last me for something. But <laughs> I don't know. It's it's cool out here. Um I actually next time whenever I get a cut, I hope it's the last dude that cut me because he did better than the first one but both of them was cool but it's just not that at home cut (laughs)
2: definitely
0: no that that brings up a good point do you you ever see any problem with like the language barrier uh at any time you've been overseas
1: hungry uh (laughs) it always goes back to my first year hungry nobody spoke english um Maybe a couple, like a couple people on my team, and then like the the the, like the ops, um, Mm -hmm. the ops worker that uh, worked for hungry. He a little bit, so like he helped me a little bit. But going to the store, ordering food, it's like Google translators because they don't understand nothing. It was hard to find groceries if I didn't know where it was at. Okay, Um, but then is Israel. Everyone spoke English. France, a little bit of people spoke English, but it was easier than Hungary. Um, because then when you go to, like, Paris was two hours away from me. Belgium, they spoke English. So it was, mm-hmm. it was cool. It was really only Hungary that <laughs> they didn't speak English. And, like, everybody out here in Lithuania speaks English, too. So it was really only hungry but yeah i think you got to be lucky to come to a country and they everybody speaks english cuz most of them don't so what I, what i'm gathering is you're not going to move to hungary when you retire oh never <laughs> i don't i don't i don't think i can i can move overseas i mean it's just it's different it's yeah. it's great experience to actually live out here for 10 months and like just experience different things, but I don't think I can just pick up, be done, retired, and be like, "Oh yeah, I want to move overseas." Like, I don't, I don't. Nah, nah, nah. I would, I'd rather just take trips for like a week and visit every country rather than going somewhere to live.
2: That that is one thing about Keys, Connor. He, he is a homebody through yeah. and through. <laughs> any, any break we had. Keith was trying to get I'm to going me. home.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he he I'm was in the whip and he was driving home. Cause I'll see y'all later. <laughs>
1: I'm gone. Any chance I get to go even out here, I get three. Give me three days, cause I got a day to get there, a day to get back. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> it's just nothing like home. And then now I got a crib, so it's like yeah, I'm coming home to my crib, like. I I only had, what, like a month and a half That's right. in my new crib, but right. it's like I needed it. Um, My family needed it. I didn't – it wasn't no way I can come over here and then come back to my mom's room, basically, like the room I had in my mom's house. So it was no chance, but everything – fell in place and just follow, follow God's plan. Perfect. Nah. So we're going to
2: uh, go ahead and go to our quick hitters. So just, you know, a couple questions for you. What is, is there a player that you modeled your game after
1: like growing up? Growing up, I would say I was in, mm-hmm. And then it kind of like, it kind of changed as, of course, the years went on. It was Iverson, Chris Paul, Kyrie. I want to say those are like the main three. Tony Parker back, yeah. like when I, because I was, I was always, a, I'm always a hometown team. So I always liked the Wizards, but that was when like Gilbert was there. But, hey, uh, sure. right. But like right after that, or like in the mix of that, I was a, San Antonio, like I love San Antonio, like, um, like the as, them as a team, and I and Tony Parker, I always loved watching him play, but those are the main like four that I, okay, watched growing up. Um, who who
0: would, who would you say the best player you ever played against was? Mm. The best player I ever played against. We don't we don't even have to know them. It could be anybody.
1: I'm trying to think. <laughs> I mean cuz it's I mean a lot of good players, yeah. but I'm trying to think oh I I I Billy Barron was tough. <laughs> and that's a player that's, I don't know where he's at right now, but he was he was he was tough. Um Brandon Ingram great like the duke team that that was like their star players was tough um Justin Robinson he was tough mm-hmm. um AJ English mm. yep i can't can't forget about him and i always <laughs> respected his game um that's facts but i'm trying to think pro wise mm. I played against um oh, what's his name in Israel um Jeremy Fargo 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 yeah he was tough <laughs> um I'm trying to more more I just played oh I played against um in Israel also uh he played with the heat he was a shoot Quint, uh cook what's Daquan cook Okay. that yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. He was he was tough. Um. I played against Stoudemire, but I he he, <laughs> he, he you no know, he he washed he washed up. But it was a lot of it was a lot of good guards in Israel. And now, um, we played against Chris McCullum. Yep. Um what's his name? Uh Andrew Goodluck. Yep. And oh it was one more Demetrius Jackson, but he was hurt. Oh yeah. But i I got three more times to play against them So <laughs> we'll see how that goes.
2: Nah, that, that, that's definitely what's up. Um do you have any pregame rituals or superstitions that you have to do before the game or to start your day?
1: I have to eat breakfast, and I have to. Well, I have to take a nap. But like I said, one like my family's here. It's like, yeah, I, I it's more like I'm I'm up more. So throughout the day, if I don't take a nap, I'll still be good for the game. But most of the time, I I need my nap, mm-hmm. and then I have to take a pre-game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have every every before every game, I gotta use the bathroom. <laughs> For sure. Uh,
0: what would what's the best arena you've ever been to or played in? Overseas, just in anywhere, or, college, high school, overseas.
1: I would say Cameron Indoor because of the atmosphere and everything, and Kansas. Also, on overseas. Um, it wasn't really that many, like arenas that was really like wow. Like, so I will I would say Cameron Indoor and Kansas were like the, the two, like most the best arenas I played at. Also, um, Comcast I can't forget about that. Yeah. At Maryland that's a nice a real nice gym. Um, and I played there a couple of times. But overseas, they don't really – it's something that's nice, but it's nothing that I haven't seen already. Siena was, like, most of the I, – I would say, like, Siena is bigger than most of these gyms out here. And Siena was definitely a great place to play, too. That that arena, I loved it.
2: Not, nothing like playing at the TU, dog. Nothing like playing at the TU. Nah,
1: not at all.
2: <laughs> what um? Who do you think the best Siena player ever is, in your opinion, to come through the program?
1: ever me. <laughs> hey, I like it. Ever me.
0: When you I like the confidence. Love it. Um who who would be one one player at Siena that you didn't get to play with that you would like to have?
1: One player? Yeah, it could be past uh could be um present. I would say uh Kenny Hasbrook because he's from basically where I'm from and I just know that connection on the court off the court I know we would have been like this if I played with him so
2: K has. did you ever play in the summer with him right He would come up you would play pick up with us right
1: uh yeah pick up but you know the season would have been different like oh, yeah. in the game like but no nah, we we played pick up with him a couple times
2: yeah for sure for sure we're still new to the podcast um eight, episode 8 of season 1 We've had some great, great guests. Name someone affiliated with Siena Basketball, whether it's a manager, um, coach, fan, whatever it is that you love to see as a guest on the show.
1: Can I name more than one? Oh, please do. (laughs) So I'm always – I'm going to say Jay. Yep. Wesley. (laughs) You gotta have, you gotta have, and I need to be in there when, when he's on there too. You gotta put Wesley. you on the bus somewhere. <laughs> Wesley. And I would say, um, Lucius. Oh. Coach, Lou. Coach Lou. Yeah,
0: Wesley, Wesley's gotten, uh, that's his second, that's his second shout out. Uh, Cause yeah. he got one other. Yep. Yeah, it's the second person that's asked for him. So we'll. He's definitely on the list. We're we're gonna probably not till next season, um, but we're de- we're gonna definitely have That's one. That's
1: cool. I'm a, I'm gonna be tuned in
0: not <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> no, we definitely definitely appreciate your time. Uh, thanks again for joining us. We uh, we hope we wish you all the luck in Lithuania. We hope you have a great season. Everything with with your new child, everything goes well with it. Don't forget to subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts and on our YouTube official page to stay up to date on the latest with the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, man. I appreciate it.